Amen. Well, church, as you're having a seat, if you'll open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, so glad you're here with us. If you're new with us, we wanna, I want to just say welcome. We are so glad that you are here. You may have joined us. You saw the sign out on the road or you uh, were invited by a friend, but we are Risen Church and we are thrilled that you have come to worship with us on this Palm Sunday. So we are not a brand new church, so we're a church with eight years of God's faithfulness behind us. And so uh, we have been set up teardown. We have been portable uh, uh, in the woodland meeting at Bonnie's dance studio for the last eight years and the Lord and his provision and the Lord and his goodness uh, over the last six months has made this space available to us. And so uh, you are walking into this room and worshiping with us um, not as a brand new church, but as a church that the Lord has been journeying with us for many, many years. And we are so grateful that you are here. Uh, we are grateful that you have joined us uh, in this new space, in this new home that we are uh, tremendously blessed by. And the Lord, uh, we, this is week two that we're here. And so he, I think, just wanted to remind us of our setup teardown roots. And he's like, you know, the screen's not going to work. And then we tried to bring the TV that we used and set up teardown. And that also didn't work. And so he just said, you know, you need to stay humble. I know you got a big screen, but you don't need it to worship me. Amen? So we're here, we don't need screens, we don't need words, we have God's word, we have the Holy Spirit, and we have the risen Lord Jesus Christ in our midst, and that is good, amen? Amen. I also think Jocko's barbecue pit, all the smoke infiltrated uh, the flux capacitor in there, and I think there's something that happened, I'm not sure, I'll take it up with him later. Um, I say all that by way of introduction by saying uh, we are finishing the book of Philippians today that we have been journeying through for many, many months. And so if you are new with us, you're like, wait a minute, this is their second week in here. How are they finishing a book? And so we uh, have been journeying through Paul's letter to this church in Philippi called Philippians, and we are concluding uh, the verses that we have before us in Philippians. So that is our passage this morning. I'm going to read the text, and we're going to unpack it. It's fitting today on Palm Sunday as we think through uh, Paul's words to this church, this early church in the first century, as we consider who Jesus is and what he has done and his goodness to us. Let me read Philippians 4, 14 through 23. The Apostle Paul says this to this church that he helped plant many years before. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit of that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Jesus Christ. The brothers who are with me greet you. And the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. 
Now, remember from last week, if you were with us, if you've been journeying with us through Philippians, Paul is right in the middle of essentially a thank you note. He's thanking this church who is dear to him, whom he loves, this church he helped plant uh, many, many years before. And so just some context, if you don't remember, if you've been with us, you've heard me say it many, many times, Paul is writing this letter. He's in Rome. He's in prison. So he's imprisoned by the imperial guard in Rome who has him uh, in chains, essentially, for preaching and proclaiming that Jesus is king above Caesar. And that was a penalty punishable by death uh, in Roman imperialism. And so Paul was preaching the good news of the gospel that Jesus is our king. And we are kingdom citizens under King Jesus. And uh, we as a people of God live in such a way as Jesus is Lord. Jesus is our goodness. Jesus is the one whom we seek and whom we serve. And this news got out from the uh, Romans that he was preaching a king above Caesar and he was imprisoned for it. And it was punishable by death. And so Paul is in prison and he's writing this letter to this church whom he loves that he helped plant many, many, many years ago. And he's essentially starving to death in prison, some context. Uh, the Roman prison system, prison system, that's hard to say. Uh, you don't get three squares every day. You had to provide your own resources for food and water and clothing. So if you wanted a change of clothes, if you wanted a meal, and if you wanted water, your friends and your family had to bring you the resources, and the Roman guards would then provide you uh, these resources for you. And so Paul, it's been many, 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 many weeks, maybe a long time since he's had a good meal. He's starving, and uh, he's writing because this guy named Epaphroditus, who we mentioned here, came in the 11th hour in his moment of need and provided resources to him. He brought Epaphroditus, made this long journey over the Aegean Sea. Many believe it's almost 800 miles if he started in Philippi to get to Paul in Rome to give him money and resources. And so he was saved, essentially. And he's ending this letter in this thank you notes, saying, thank you, Philippians. Thank you, church. And then... Um, if you remember last week, so he's saying thank you, but then uh, chapter 4, verse 11, if you have your Bibles, then he says this strange statement. Not that I'm saying this because I'm in need. And you're like, what? You're like, all you have is need right now. You're in prison, you're starving, you have no water. It's like the mother of all disclaimers. Thank you for your gift, not that I'm saying I have any needs. You're like, this is, what, is that arrogance? What's happening here? Um, and, and if you go on, then he gives us this wonderful statement that we read last week. He says, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. To be content. He says, I know how to be brought low, and he was low then. And I know how to abound. I know in any and every circumstance. And he says, I've learned the secret to facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So he wants to say, I want to clarify, I was okay. He's not being arrogant. He's not being, uh, he's, he's not being glib. He said, yes, I was starving to death. Minor detail, but I was content. I was content. Why? He said, because I found the secret. And the secret has a name. And his name is Jesus. 
I'm content in the Lord Jesus Christ. He has me exactly where he wanted me, and I'm content in him knowing that he knows all of my days. He holds my life in his hands. And so Paul, last week we learned, has been set free from greed. He's been set free from the lust to acquire more and more and more. He's been set free from the anxiety and fear about bills. And will God really come through for me? Will he really provide for me? He says, no, I am content. I can walk through anything. I can walk through being brought low. And I can still be content. Why? Because Jesus gives me strength. Amen? That's good news. Paul reminds this church that it's Jesus who sustains him. And now he goes on, and we're going to work through our text uh, this week here at the end. And he goes on in verse 14, and he says, yet, says, I was, I'm content in the Lord. I've learned the secret, verse 14, yet it was good of you to share in my trouble. So uh, it, it could be translated uh, uh, it was good of you to give, but it was good of you to give. The heart of generosity was good. Verse 15, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, meaning when you first started following Jesus, because he was there when this happened, because he helped plant this brand new church, when I left Macedonia, which was the region around Philippi, he said, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. So Paul says, I've been all over the place. I've traveled all over the place. I've planted churches, not only with you guys, but in Thessalonica, in Iconium, in Ephesus, all over the place. I've been at work with the gospel, helping plant churches, proclaim that Jesus is king and gathering God's people together in the church that they would love and care for one another. And he says, but you guys, Philippians, as he's concluding this, this letter, but you guys, more than any of the other churches, you get it. Um, you showed up. You know what it means to be generous even when you have very little because you understand that God is the giver of all good gifts and you don't hold tightly to your things. You're willing to be open-handed when those are in need and when people are in need around you. And so he's commending them. In fact, in one of Paul's letters in Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians, who he had to give a lot of instruction about giving on the opposite way because they didn't get it. He actually talks about the Philippian church and he commends them in a letter that he wrote to another church. Let me read out of 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 5. He's talking about the Philippian church and their understanding of God and their generosity that poured forth from them. He says this, Paul is writing to the Corinthian church telling a story about the Philippian church. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace, or grace can be translated here, generosity, or the generosity or grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. The Philippians would be one of those churches, Philippi, being the main church there. For in a severe test of affliction, could be an economic downturn, the loss of some great resources in the church, something like that has happened. So Paul says, Brothers, I want you to know about the generosity of God that has been given among the churches in Macedonia, Philippi being one of them. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy, remember this word, 
abundance of joy, and their extreme poverty. The Philippians are poor. They're a very poor church. Have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. I was struck with this passage. As Paul is talking about this church in Philippi and their generosities, thanking them at the end of Philippians 4, and he references them here in 2 Corinthians, and it's a strange formula that he's getting at. Essentially, overflowing joy plus extreme poverty equals rich generosity in Paul's mind. Let me say that again. Overflowing joy in the Lord plus extreme poverty Paul says, has resulted in rich generosity pouring out from these people. What? It's almost like Paul saying stuff doesn't make you happy. Right? Okay, two people laughed. That was good. That was all I got. That's the funniest part of the sermon. So just disclaimer. Um, But what a novel concept. And... And who knows this better than anyone else? Who knows that stuff doesn't make you happy is the poor. They are the ones most well positioned to understand this reality. If you've ever been to the developing world, or maybe you yourself have faced a season where you are, you don't know where the next dollar is going to come from. But if you've ever been to the developing world where it is like poor, 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 Like all of us here in America would be considered uh, in global economics rich beyond compare. If you have two vehicles in your family, you would be considered mega wealthy in the global scale of economics. I don't say that as a guilt trip, it's just perspective of how the Lord has blessed most of us in this room uh, because of where we live. Um, But if you've been to the developing world, uh, there's extreme need and extreme poverty. But you, if you've been, you've experienced some of, some of the most generous and joy-filled people you would ever encounter. I had the opportunity to go uh, many years ago uh, with Compassion International to a trip to, uh, to Kenya. And we visited the largest slum in the world. And we were visiting some of the children who were a part of the compassion program uh, that we as a church that I was a part of sponsored churchwide. We adopted a, um, an entire church there in this community. And so we traveled and I had the opportunity. It was the first time I'd experienced just abject poverty in such a way that um, we walked into the slums and we were invited into this home that was essentially a dirt floor and uh, mud walls uh, and eight Eight folks lived in this home, in one room, uh, and they were thrilled we were there. In fact, they wanted to make us tea, they wanted to make us food, and they wanted to give us gifts. And I was just like wept. I didn't understand how someone with in a family, in a situation with no electricity, no sewer, no running water, you're having to step over rivers of you know what to get to this hut, would want to give to me. And it was struck me in them through a translator telling about the joy that they had 
in the Lord Jesus Christ, that they had been part of this church that they had found through Compassion International that helped catalyze this place of learning, this place of gospel proclamation that cared for one another. And I got to see that firsthand, extreme poverty and overflowing joy resulted in just overflowing generosity amongst these people. They beamed. Paul goes on in Corinthians. It says, for they, for they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor or the privilege of taking part in the relief of the saints. They're like begging, Paul, can we please give more to those who need? Can we please be a part of giving more to the advancement of the gospel and the kingdom of God that it would come here on earth as it is in heaven? And he goes on, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, then by will of God to us. They gave themselves to the Lord, and then they gave themselves to those who were doing the work of ministry. Paul's saying to the Philippians, you get it. You guys get it. Thank you. He said, I've been to all these places. I've been all over the world, the known world at the time. I've been all over the empire. And Paul says, Philippian church, I love you, and you get it. Um, in fact, Paul had to write two whole chapters to the Corinthians on giving because they did not get it, like I said earlier. And so he had to lean in on them the opposite way. Back to Philippians. He goes on in verse 17. Not that I seek the gift. So Paul's like, I'm not, listen, I'm not after your money. I'm not just trying to get at your pocketbook but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Or I desire that more be credited to your account. Interesting here. Meaning there's something happening when we give, when we let go of that which we hold on so tightly to, when we uh, walk in this type of generosity that happens here. There's something that happens that's under the surface. And Paul's like, I'm not just trying to get at your money. And he goes on and says, I've received full payment and more. I'm well supplied. And it's a technical term here in the Greco-Roman world. It was, uh, I received full payment would be stamped at the bottom of a receipt after a transaction was completed. It was, it's our kind of same idea of saying paid in full. So it's like an accounting term. So he uses this. He's like, listen, I have all that I need. I'm well supplied. Um, Epaphroditus came and I'm, I'm well supplied. I, I thank you for that. I was paid in full. I've more than enough. Stop giving me money. I'm not after your money. Then he goes on to say, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Not to me, to God, he says. So whatever this is about that he's getting at, this increases to the credit of the account uh, of this generous way of living as God's people in this church. He says, this is not about just me, Paul says. It's about who? No one, no one got it, okay. God, yes! I, I was gonna put it on the screen in really big, like flashing uh, lights, but it didn't happen today. Um, this is about God. 
And he says, and my God, and he goes on to say what the result would be. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And he says, I know you're poor, Philippians. I understand I'm in prison. I know what it means to be brought low. I know what it's like to be hungry. Um, But he says, to clarify, God shall supply all of your needs. Cling to him. He is good. He is trustworthy. He is true. He is right. He is not poor. Notice this language in here. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches. He juxtaposes. He's like, there's, there's, in my poverty, God came because God is rich. He is full. He is, uh, he is abundant in glory in the Lord Jesus Christ. He will provide for you. And then he goes on to wrap up this statement on generosity and says, Our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, I know you may be here. You're like, this may be your first week. You're like, oh, great. New church in town. They're already talking about money. Listen, it's just where we were. It's where we landed in the text. And I know it's a touchy subject when and pastors uh, talk about money and talk about all these things and it gets a little dicey uh, for some people, but um, it's all over the scriptures. Jesus talks about treasure all the time and money all the time and it, because it's tied to our heart, there's something bigger going on here than just transactional buying and selling and having enough in the bank account. There's something spiritual at work here in our trust with God, with that which he's given to us, even in our resources. So we're going to jump in. I just want to make, we're going to go quick today because we got a lot of barbecue to eat and we're really excited about all that's happening out there. Um, But I just want to make a couple of observations as Paul is landing the plane here in Philippians. I could spend, we could spend so much time here just gleaning from uh, the wealth of understanding of who God is and what he's like in this text but I just want to make a couple of observations uh, and then be done this morning so that we can continue to worship and then we can fellowship together on this beautiful day. Um, What I want us to see is Paul is leaning into this idea of generosity. He's leaning into this idea that we serve and we've been saved by and we've been rescued into the family of God because of God's generosity toward us. And now he's making an application, a gospel application to his people about God's generosity and how we as God's people should reflect and live in and walk in our identity as a generous people because we've been saved and rescued by a generous God. So, a couple of observations right here in verse 14. This one is obvious. Uh, if you're in the ESV, it's, Paul says, yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. So this could be translated this way. It was good of you. It was good of you to share or give in my trouble. So what Paul is saying here at the end of Philippians is it was good of you to give. It was good. And this language that he uses, good, is on purpose. And it mirrors what Paul says at the very beginning of the letter as he's sort of bookending the two chapters. So Philippians 1 and Philippians 4, he's bookending and he's using the same word here, this word good, and he's using, it was good of you to give. Let me read it for you, Philippians 1. I'm gonna go back all the way to 1, 3 through 6. Paul says this when he's introducing the letter and he's thanking God 
for the Philippian church. He says, I thank my God in my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you, same word, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And all of this language of good, it happens here in one, happens at the very end. It's good of you to give a good work that God will bring to completion is language right out of Genesis, right out of the creation story, right out of God uh, beginning this world. And it starts this way, the creation story at the very beginning. Uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's just like Paul wrote in Philippians. He who began is this mere language. He who began this work is the same in Genesis. In the beginning, God created a good work in you. And God saw all that he created. And it was good. He's mirroring the language of the creation story with the formation of the Philippian church that it was the goodness of God that's anchoring this. And then he will carry it on to completion, Paul says. God is gonna finish what he started because that's who our God is. Just like when the heavens and the earth and the cosmos were done and completed by God in their vast array, he looked at it all and he was finished and he rested. God will bring all of it to completion for you, church. Paul is retelling the creation story through the Philippian story in this church. And then if you go down to verse 7 in chapter 1 in Philippians, he says, it's right for me to feel this way about you all. Because I hold you in my heart, for you're all partakers of me with grace. And that word grace can be translated generosity. You're partakers with me in the generosity of God. All of you share in God's grace, in God's generosity. Meaning what? Why do I go back and tell us all of this? What's Paul getting at? He's, he's connecting the dots for the Philippian church and for you and I. God is generous. He is a generous God. Write that down. Memorize that. Put that into your mind. Let it sink into our hearts. God is generous by nature. What do I mean? For example, even in his very nature and character, he is Trinitarian. He is the Father. He is the Son. He is the Holy Spirit. God exists in eternal, endless, everlasting community of self-giving love and joy and Trinitarian unity. He's generous in, in love, even in his nature and how he's made and how he's wired an endless community. And that generosity of the nature of God spills out and continues through God's ongoing creation. That's why he made the world and made it abundant and made all these wonderful things that we enjoy because he is a God of wonderful generosity that is spilled out. And on Palm Sunday today, where we get to see and we get to remember that God's only begotten son set his face toward Jerusalem, knowing the cross was before him, which was the greatest act of generosity displayed through God for you and I, that he would give his only son that whoever would believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He is a generous God, amen? Though he was rich, he became poor for our sake. He is generous. 
he didn't cling and hold on to. Philippians 2 talked about that in our passage from months ago. He was willing to die the death that we deserve because of his great grace and generosity that spills forth from him because it's who he is. He longs to give. That's God's nature. It is his character and he spills it out on his sons and daughters by faith in Christ. That's what God's like. And even in the little things, every day we wake up and we breathe God's oxygen that he made. He's generous. Uh, by the generosity of God, we're gonna get to taste delicious barbecue and sausage and all the wonderful sides and all the many hours of labor that God's people put into hosting this wonderful Palm Sunday barbecue. It's the generosity of God that he has us to enjoy that which he's made and given to us. He's generous and good. The fact that he rescues us and saves us and counts us now as children of God through Christ is a display of his wonderful generosity. We've been made right. And in this season, more than ever, because of God's generosity, we have a hope and we have a future. And our hope and our future because of Palm Sunday, because of Good Friday, and because of Resurrection Sunday, our hope is resurrection and life. He is generous. He is good. And he pours it out on us, his children, whom he loves dearly. And church, all of this is to our benefit and it produces in us joy when we think on it and we realize we're living in it because God is not stingy and he does not hold out on you. God is generous. And when you copy or you walk in God's generosity, something happens. Um, Something happens again in 14. Yet it was good of you to share in my trouble. All of you share in God's grace with me. And it was good of you, meaning when you are generous in the same way God is generous, you tap into something that is good foundationally, that is part of the heart of God. Because you're living in a way that's congruent with the nature of God, you get in sync with who God is. You're walking in step with the spirit of who God is. Where Paul talked about last week, we get freed from greed, we get filled with joy. And we need to understand that giving, whether that is dollars to uh, the advancement of the gospel, or that's service, that's time, that's talents through people that are giving of their time, that how God has wired them to edify the body. There's multiple ways to pour out your generosity on God's people. When you get in sync with that, we're freed from all these, these things that bear us down that Paul talked about last week that fill our hearts with discontentment. We're freed from the, the thought that more stuff will make me happy. And we're reminded that the more we can let go and serve and give, the more our hearts soar with joy. Because that's how God is. Um, but we're materialistic by nature, and so Paul is reminding them of their generosity that it is good because God has been a generous giver to you. And the most amazing example of that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you become someone whose life is marked with giving and serving out of a well of love, you're set free from this 
trap of discontentedness and you tap into the nature of what God is like. Now, quick story that I want to highlight that I was uh, reminded of as I was thinking on this story, and it goes all the way back to when we first started. We started our church in a living room about eight years ago, and uh, we didn't know exactly what was going to happen. We didn't know what the Lord would would have for us. We just knew that God was calling us to be faithful to him and take the next steps of gathering around his word uh, and gathering more people that would live on mission for him to advance the gospel in this community that we loved and that we lived in. Uh, And so we outgrew a living room and we wondered, uh, where are we going to go next? And I didn't know. And there was some closed doors and there was some obstacles and there was a, I don't know, we don't have much. I don't know what's going to happen next. And my wife in her brilliance said, you need to call Miss Bonnie. And uh, I called Miss Bonnie and she didn't know who I was. She didn't know our story. She wasn't part of our church. And uh, I call up Miss Bonnie. She says, sure, come meet me at the studio. And I show up at her studio. And uh, I had way less gray hair then, thanks to all of y'all. And uh, I kind of gave her the, the spiel of what we were doing. Hey, we're this brand new little church. And there's a handful of us, but we can't meet in the living room anymore because where the neighbors are calling the cops at the house we're meeting at because they're mad because we've uh, run through their grass a little one too many times. And I said, we're really looking for a place to meet, and we've, not, we've got some closed doors on some other places, and we would love to use this space and transform a dance studio into a place of worship of our Lord Jesus Christ. And she said, great, you can start Sunday. Just immediately, where there was just no's and there was anxiety, and I was wondering what was going to happen, uh, Miss Bonnie gave us a Yes. And it was, it was like just life and joy for me personally. And it was just this amazing example of generosity. And then I told her I'd met with our finance team and our board. And I was like, you know, we've determined, because I kind of knew what it costs to rent a place around here. And it's, when you're first starting out, it, those are a lot of zeros and you're kind of freaking out. There's not too many of us. And I said, this is what we can offer. Because she didn't even talk about money. I was like, oh, maybe it's more than we can afford. So I need to talk about that before we ink the deal. She said, that's too much. You guys are just starting out. You can't, you don't need to do that. It's only going to be this much. The generosity poured out from Miss Bonnie on our little church. And she has no idea that the... One of the main reasons that we're sitting in this place today, right now, is because of her generosity. Uh, She probably had no idea it was going to be eight long years of us being in her dance studio. And we filled up every nook and cranny of her studio. We knocked the walls down in her studio. We hung this TV in her studio and all these lights and wires and she was just kept pouring out kindness. And her generosity kept pouring out on all of us who are a part of this story, no matter when you intersected it, at great cost to even herself and her team and her business. I guarantee you, now that I'm paying the electric bill in this place, we, uh, we use some air conditioning and electricity. She was generous. She was ge- generous. And so, one, I, I want to tell you that Miss Bonnie is here this morning. I invited her to come. 
and I wanted us uh, as a church. She just had knee, knee surgery, so she can't join me on stage, though I really wanted her to. But we have some flowers for you. Miss Bonnie, will you uh, just raise your hand? And I want to recognize you, and I just want to say thank you. Yes. Bonnie, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. Uh, It's been such a joy. You have really shown me what it means to be generous. And uh, uh, you have loved and served so many in this church, and they don't even know it. Many of them don't even know what you look like, and I know that's how you would prefer it. Uh, but that speaks more to your heart of to serve and to just be that person behind the scenes. And uh, you said yes to when a lot of folks said no, and you are a, a huge part of why we're here today. Uh, and it's your faithfulness and your yes to us Uh, has just been a great sign and a joy to me of God's generosity to us as God's people. So thank you. Thank you, thank you. I know. We've redeployed them on barbecue team this morning. So we're, we're trying to put them to work. Yes. Thank you, thank you. So giving church is a response. It's a response to who God is. It's a response to God because he's a generous giver to us. Um, He's generous by giving us all these things that we enjoy every day and the little things, and he's generous to us that he gave to us his only begotten son that whoever should believe shall never perish but have everlasting life. He is a God that pours out his generosity on us as his children. And Paul reminds us it is good to give. It's good. And then Paul ends the letter by saying this, greet every saint in Jesus Christ. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. He's letting us know the gospel is making inroads even in Rome to Caesar's people. They're they're believing in Jesus because of your generosity. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Paul began the letter in Philippians in 1-2 by saying grace and peace to you from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he ends by saying the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Grace upon grace. It's the same word as generosity. The generosity of God has been poured out on you. The generosity of God is being poured out on you. The generosity of God wants to be poured forth through you. Grace upon grace. So church, today on Palm Sunday, when we reflect on the generous nature of God, that he sent Jesus, that Jesus didn't walk away from the cross, though it was gonna be hard and costly, he moved toward it. We're reminded of the great generosity of God. So let's live in that way. Let's ask the Lord that he would search our hearts, that we would be a people marked with generosity, not because we have to, but because we get to because that's what God's like. And when we say yes to that, we get to live in a way and keep in step with who God is and how he moves and how he operates in our world. And so whatever that might look like for you today, 
whether that's through your resources, through your finances, through your business, through your time, through your talents, would you ask the Lord where he's calling you to take that next step of yes, to be a generous people because he has been so generous to you. Let's pray together, church. Lord, we are eternally grateful for your grace in our lives, your generosity in our lives that has been poured out on us. Lord, that while we were dead in our trespasses and sins, we had no hope, we had no way, there was constant closed doors, there was only closed doors. You made a way for us by sending your only begotten son through your generous nature, through your generous heart, through grace. It was not deserved. We didn't earn it. We're not good enough for it. We don't even know how we got swept into it. But by your grace alone, we are now counted as children of God because of the generosity and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we worship him today. We thank him. Lord, I pray for each person in here that they would reflect back on their life and they might see the marks of the generosity of God poured out on their life when there was nothing but closed doors and they would worship you as a result. And Lord, I pray that as they process in this, these last few moments of our service, Lord, would you work on each heart in this room to say, where are you calling me to walk in step with your spirits, to be a person marked with generosity that overflows in abundant joy. Whether that's through time, through talents, or through treasure, or maybe all of the above, may we be a people marked by a spirit of grace and generosity in the Lord Jesus Christ because he has given us so, so much. We pray in the name of our risen Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you stand and worship church?